It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and welcome into the virtual bible study we're glad that you're a part of it tonight and we hope you'll stay tuned this is thursday august 2nd and we hope you'll be a part of the program tonight you can join in on the discussion by emailing us your questions or comments to questions at collegeview.com or by calling us at 877-381-4567. That is a toll-free number for you to use tonight, 877-381-4567. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, good to be with you on Thursday night. We always look forward to the virtual Bible study, and we hope that all who are listening will make it a regular appointment. Last week, Jacob, I was up in Indiana, and I met a fellow that we had talked to on the program who's a regular listener, Mike, up there in Indiana. Indiana, and uh, we happened to be talking on Thursday night. I wasn't able to be here, of course, and about 8 o'clock on Thursday night, his cell phone went off. He had an alarm set on his oh, cell wow. phone yeah. to remind him to tune into the virtual Bible study. I thought it a pretty good key. I think a lot of people maybe let it slip up on them, forget that it's coming around on Thursday night. So uh, many of you have cell phones. Set a Thursday night, 8 o'clock Central Time alarm, and you'll remember to tune into the virtual Bible study. All right. That's a good idea. Well, Dad, we've been uh, doing the virtual Bible study now for two years. This is our third year we're starting tonight. Yeah, that's right. We started, uh, actually, our first program was on the last Thursday night of July in in 2005. So here we are. We've, we're into August now in 2007, so we're moving into our third year. And uh, uh, we're grateful to God for the opportunity to use this medium to explore Bible truths and uh, grateful that we've been able to do this. Haven't missed a Thursday night yet, and Lord willing, we're going to keep it up. And, uh, of course, a lot of that depends upon uh, our listeners and our participation, and we're grateful for all of that. We look forward to you joining in on the virtual Bible study tonight and as we go on into our third year uh, from here on out. If you want to join in on the discussion tonight, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com, as we discuss a topic that is surprisingly very controversial in the religious world today. We want to talk about women preachers and what the Bible says about that. Dad, you don't have to look far to find Women preachers in any town in America really today, even small-town America, have women preachers, and we want to look at that, compare it with what the Bible says. That's right. I, I saw some statistics recently. said that in the Southern Baptist Convention, according to one source, the Southern Baptist Convention has approximately 1,130 ordained women filling various roles of ministry. So that's The Southern Baptist? Yeah. I thought they were against that. Well, apparently certain aspects of them are not. And I've got the source on that. If you let me dig around here in my paperwork, I can give you the, the reference on that. That was over a 1,000, though, you said. Yeah. Let's see here. Let me give you the reference. Um, the it's reference, on there somewhere. The reference on that is uh, Hartford Seminary Study, Clergy Women, An Uphill Calling by Barbara Zygmunt. Adair Loomis and Patricia Chang. So, uh, and that was that was printed in 1998. So oh, that's wow. not even a brand new statistic. Yeah, and how, how many was it again? Over a thousand, eleven hundred and thirty. Wow. Uh, um, the Church of the Nazarene. One researcher reported that this denomination has quote ordained women in the ministry since its founding in 1908, and supports the right of women to use their God-given spiritual gifts within the church. Uh, they they affirm the right of women to be elected and appointed to places of leadership at all levels of the church. It's important to note that some churches within this denomination have shunned their denominational title for more generic community-oriented names like New Life Community Church and so forth. Assemblies of God, USA, the Assemblies of God, believes a woman can serve in all roles of church ministry, including that of pastor, in a position paper entitled The Role of Women in Ministry as Described in the Holy Scriptures, the authors conclude, quote, we cannot find convincing evidence 
that the ministry of women is restricted according to some sacred or immutable principle. The existence in the secular world of bigotry against women cannot be denied, but there is no place for such an attitude in the body of Christ. We acknowledge that attitudes of secular society based on longstanding practice and tradition have influenced the application of biblical principles to local circumstances. Basically, they're saying the truth has changed over time, I think, if I understand what they just said. The Free Methodist Church of North America, uh, this denomination in which the previous president of the National Association of Evangelicals, Kevin Manoia, is an ordained bishop. This denomination believes that, quote, the gospel of Jesus Christ knows no distinction of race, condition, or sex. With these beliefs, women should be encouraged to take their place in all areas of church leadership and ministry. So there's just a few examples. It's a very, very common thing. Uh, I, I think maybe some people might be surprised to know that. I, I mean, I think some people are coming from religious backgrounds in which that has not been practiced. And you might just assume, well, it's, you know, it's, it's not that common, but it's apparently very common. We need to know what the Bible teaches about it. What does the Bible teach about women preachers? Let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Now, Dad, you asked a couple of survey questions today and an email update that you sent out. What were those questions? Well, I asked people to give us some feedback, and we've got some here, and we'd be interested in getting more feedback from those who are listening live tonight. I asked, what do you believe is the strongest argument, even if you disagree with the conclusion, what do you believe is the strongest argument that is made in favor of women preachers? And then a second question, what is the most powerful Bible text that can be used in opposition to women preachers? So we'd be interested in getting more feedback from people uh, about those two questions. What do you think, what's the strongest argument can be made for and against women preachers, basically? So send us an email and let us know, questions at collegeview.com. Or 877-381-4567. Six seven. Well, Dad, you know there is no doubt that uh, there were women in the church in the first century, and uh, it's interesting that we can look at what their role was and help us to determine what the role of women should be in the church today. Yeah, you know, as you read in the New Testament, women converts to Christianity are frequently mentioned. For instance, in Acts 5, verse 14, it says, Believers were the more added to the Lord multitudes, both of men and women. There were likely my guess is perhaps more women than men that's typical that's that seems like that has always historically been true that women seem to have uh, more of an inclination to spiritual things or at least that part of them can be motivated uh, maybe easier than men i would be willing to guess although i don't know you could put you could prove it at all but i'd be willing to guess that in the first century as today there are more women who, who are trying to faithfully serve the lord than men there always have been the bible speaks of that and Jacob, among those who are mentioned as women converts to Christianity, a number of them are held up as great examples. Did you say there always have been more women than men? And I said I don't know that you could prove it, but my guess is it's probably okay. always been so. Okay, I thought you said the Bible said that. No, that, no, no. Okay. I'm saying that's my guess. I, that's that's my personal experience, and, I, and I'm, I'm guessing that's probably typical. All right. Yeah, but there certainly were numerous women who were held up as good examples. Acts chapter 9, verse 36, beginning. There was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died. When Peter was come, they brought him into the upper chamber, and all the window, widows stood by him weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. Dorcas is held up as an example, Dad, of a woman who was serving God and was respected by the community. That's right. We read later in the book of Acts, when Paul was in the city of Philippi, he met a woman named Lydia who became a Christian and was was commended. Acts 16, verse 13, on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things that were spoken of by Paul and when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come in my house, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. So we have the woman Lydia, who's held up as an example. In Romans 16, verse 1, another woman is commended. I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at Centuria. And so we see another woman, Dad, held up as an example of women in the church who were approved by God. 
So I think one of the things that we want to stress when we begin to discuss this topic is we appreciate the, the, the importance of women and the role that God has given to women. And we do not diminish at all their worth or value as, as human beings or as, as uh, citizens in the kingdom of Christ. I mean, it would be biblically wrong to interpret the, that women are somehow inferior or uh, somehow not as important in God's grand scheme of things. The Bible clearly teaches otherwise. All right. Let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. We're asking the question tonight, what is one argument in favor of women preachers that you've heard or that you believe is true? Or And also tell us what is one argument against women preachers that you've heard or maybe you believe is true. Let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. As we discuss this important topic tonight, as there is, unfortunately, Dad, a lot of controversy in the religious world today about women preachers. Jacob, I'm getting a a clarification from Pat down in Harvest, Alabama, who sent in an email. He says, Southern Baptists don't allow women preachers. There are a very few, but eventually those congregations that allow them are asked to leave the organization. The thousand or so ordained that you mentioned probably means they're ordained to do other functions. Well, Pat probably knows that more definitely than I do, and I appreciate him offering that clarification. Uh, he, he's, he, his his indication is that if Southern Baptist congregations allow women to become preachers, then they are ultimately expelled from that organization. So that's that. we appreciate that clarification. doesn't change the fact that women preachers are very common today, though, and uh, I'm glad to know that that, that, that is, exists, that clarification. We're glad to know that. But it doesn't change the fact that there are numerous women preachers in the world today. So let us know your thoughts about this important subject. Again, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. You know, one of the things that's interesting, we were talking about the importance of women. The Apostle Paul, as he was writing about women of, of, of that era, even cataloged the many good deeds that women were involved in in the early church. In 1 Timothy 5, verse 9, he says, Let not a woman be taken into the number under threescore years old. Notice, but notice the good works that a that a woman, a Christian, an, an older widow woman who was a Christian might have been involved in. He says, Having been the wife of one man, well reported of for good works, if she have brought up children, if she have lodged strangers, if she have washed the saints' feet, if she have relieved the afflicted, if she have diligently followed every good work. In other words, Paul is setting forth there some qualifications for widows who could be made the permanent benevolent responsibility of the church. And he, but he, he uh, in, in stating those qualifications, he's actually implying that there were women who met those qualifications that there were women who were busily involved in all sorts of good works in the early church, and obviously those were commendable things. Well, you know, some have proposed that Paul was a male chauvinist. doesn't sound like he's a chauvinist here as he commends women for uh, their good behavior and their good deeds. I think that's right. And, you know, um, I think that's the way that we're going to get to some of the plain New Testament statements concerning women as preachers. I think very often those are dismissed by people who simply say, well, that was a former day when when not only Paul was a chauvinist, but men in general were and women were held in low esteem and and they were second rate uh, underclass citizens. And that's not so anymore. And those are antiquated, outdated cultural uh, biases that we shouldn't have to live by anymore. We, we want to address that as we go along here in our study today. Let us know again, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after these messages. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. 
I'm Greg Gwynn, a host of the Virtual Bible Study. Thanks for joining us for tonight's program. The Virtual Bible Study is presented weekly by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Each week on the Virtual Bible Study, we simply engage in a study of God's Word in an effort to better understand it, better understand how God views us, and better understand what He wants from us in our lives. We're not studying any creeds. We're not studying any books written by men. We're just studying the Bible. And we're trying to study the Bible alone without any of our opinions or wisdom mixed in. We're only interested in what our Creator has revealed to us in his word. We realize that we're fallible and cannot direct our own steps. As a result, what we think or feel doesn't really matter. All that matters is what God has said. So that's what the virtual Bible study is all about. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Thanks again for joining us tonight, and we hope you'll make plans to join us every Thursday night for the virtual Bible study. Hello, my name's Jeffrey Vernon. I'm 13, and this is the virtual Bible study. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. And welcome back to the virtual Bible study tonight. Thank you again for joining us as we discuss the important topic of women preachers and what the Bible says about this important subject. We have a phone call. I did not get the phone caller's name or location, but welcome to the virtual Bible study tonight. Uh, yes, thank you. What, what, what is your name, by the way? Uh, Jim from Jim. Massiveville, Ohio. All right. From where in Ohio? Massiveville, Ohio. All right, Jim. Thanks for calling tonight. Uh-huh. Uh, the comment I had is I definitely believe it's wrong for women to preach in a church because of what First Timothy 12 says. But some people take this farther than that. They say a woman shouldn't be able to hold a political office over a man or anything. And I just want to get your viewpoint on that. Well, all right. Well, we'd be glad to comment, Jim. What's your thinking on it? You, you, well, like, like I said, it's definitely, I feel that it's definitely wrong, wrong for a woman to be a preacher. But uh, when you take it farther than that to say it's wrong for a woman to be a political leader like a, a senator or a mayor or anything like that, I think you're going out of context, and it, and it is okay for them to have a leadership role in, in that. Okay. Well, uh, I want to look at First Timothy chapter two, because that's the verse you mentioned, uh, yeah. uh, where it says, uh, l- "Let me read, uh, beginning verse eleven. Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach nor usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman, being deceived, was in the transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety." The interesting thing here, Jim, and this this is something I would offer for your consideration. I don't see anything in that context that indicates that Paul was talking about in the church or in worship services or that his instructions were limited to that setting. Earlier, just just in the previous the verses just previous to that, for instance, he says, "I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands," and then he talks about the women adorning themselves with modest apparel. We understand that that, he's, that those are general admonitions. Women ought to always. I mean, women should not just be modest when they're at the worship assemblies or in the church, but at all times. And so, I I would have to respectfully take the other side of that position to suggest that I think First Timothy chapter two is stating that in God's grand scheme of things, He does not intend for women to be over men. And that's not limited to the church, but really is a is a principle that that governs various aspects of our lives. We know it's true in the family, for instance. The man is to be the head of the house in the family. Uh, so I I think that the passage that you suggested actually implies to me that God does want women to be in submissive roles, not in authority roles over men in in all aspects of life. What, what uh, have you got? Any, uh, again, I, I appreciate your input very much, and I, I don't want to. I just sure. res- respectfully disagree. Have you got any follow up on that? Well, I was I was thinking there was somewhere here in First Timothy also where it says, "These things have I written that you may know how to behave yourself in the church of God," or something uh, something in that order. Well, in chapter three, verse fifteen, he says, "If I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou right. oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth." So wasn't that written to uh, to tell them how to how to how to rule the house of God? Well, it, obviously, as Christians, we're always a representative of the church. We're 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 Christians. We're part of God's family, and we should conduct ourselves as such. 
all the time, but I don't think that all the instructions of First Timothy uh, relate to things that happen within the church organization or that take place in worship services. For instance, in the very next chapter, First Timothy chapter 4, we often reference verse 12, where he told Timothy, let no man despise thy youth, but be an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. We would make we make broad application of that, and we tell our young people that they need to be an example of what Christians uh, are, and they should live as such a way to be exemplary of the the values that we have as Christians. So, uh, I do not think that the, all of the instructions of First Timothy, that epistle, I don't think that the whole epistle has to do with things that take place in the church organization or in the worship services. So you believe it's wrong then for a woman to be a supervisor over a man on a job or anything like that? Well, I, I would tell you that conscientiously I would not allow my wife to have such a role. Hmm. Yeah, well, I, I, I really I wholeheartedly disagree with you because just of what it says there, you know, how it says how to behave yourself yeah. in the house of God. These things were written that you may know how to behave yourself in the house of God, you know. Which well, is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. I think in context, that's what it's talking about, is is, uh, is, is how you uh, behave yourself in the house of God, you know, how, how it's run, run in the house of God. Okay. I, I understand your point, and I appreciate mm-hmm. your input. Yeah. Jim, Jim, what we'll do, we'll throw it out, and, and any of our audience can uh, chime in on uh, your yeah. position or on our position. We'll just uh, wait around here and see how uh, how it turns out. Yeah, we'll try out. to get others to comment, too, Jim. Appreciate you bringing that topic up. I think it's a very worthy one. I appreciate you introducing it. Okay. Thanks, Thanks Jim. Thanks for listening up in Ohio. Okay, thank you. All right, thank you, Jim. 877-381-4567 is the number to, to call with your question or comment. What do you think about Jim's? Question, can a woman be a supervisor on the job? Can she have uh, authority over a man outside of the church? Let us know your thoughts at 877-381-4567 or email us your questions or comments to questions at collegeview.com. Again, we appreciate Jim for his uh, question tonight, for listening, and uh, for joining us. Uh, You presented a position that's different than Jim's, but we can study the Bible and hopefully come to a common understanding of this important subject. All right. Uh, I think I think that is a good topic that Jim introduced, and I'd be glad. I, in fact, I would encourage some some follow up from those who are listening. Give us a give us a call or send us an email. What do you think uh, about women? Not necessarily just in the church. We sort of brought up the subject of women in the church and their role in the church. But what about their role in other functions of life? For instance, could they be supervisor on the job? Could they be take political office? Could they? You know, we may be facing this in the next election. Could we have a woman president? Could we vote for and support the idea of a woman who might be president? That's something really worthy. I mean, we're we're maybe immediately on the threshold of having to make that decision. All right, let's go down to Alabama and welcome Pat to the virtual Bible study tonight. Hello, Pat. Welcome to the program. Hey, Jacob and Greg. Um, You guys asked for it, so I thought I'd chime in on the subject you're talking about. Uh, I think that Greg already pretty much responded to everything that Jim said. In, in 1 Timothy 3.15, about it, this was written so that we know how to behave in the house of God, which is, church of, uh, which is church of the living God. That's not the local church. That's the universal church. And a Christian is a part of the universal church at all times. For example, the passage that Greg brought up in 1 Timothy 2.9 and 10 about a woman wearing modest apparel. Well, would that mean that only, according to Jim, respectfully, and I'm glad Jim called in, would that mean that a, this is only teaching that a woman has to wear modest apparel on the church services? Probably not. This would condemn a woman wearing a bikini on the beach. I'm sure Jim would agree. So this passage in 1 Timothy 2, 11 and 12 is, I believe, just like Greg does, that it applies in all cases, everywhere, just like 1 Timothy 2, verse 8 says, everywhere. Now, in addition to that, I'd like Jim to consider 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3, which says that the head of the woman is the man. Now, this is not talking about the head of the wife is the husband, like Ephesians 5 is talking about. This is talking about men in general and women in general. And the way you can know that, you can't know it by the Greek word, because the same Greek word can be translated husband and wife or man and woman, 
uh, it's the same Greek word, you just tell by the context. But when you go on down the rest of the context, for example, in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 8, it says, For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. To this cause ought the woman to have power on the head because of the angels, verse 10. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. For as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman for all things of God. Now, this is talking about how that, at the end there, how that the man is by the woman and so forth, that this is talking about a man in relationship to his mother, how he was born of his mother. It's not talking about a husband and wife relationship. This is ta- it's talking about man and woman in the general sense here, right, Pat? Yeah, I'm sorry I went on forever, but it's talking about man and woman in the general sense, not husband and wife, because a husband doesn't come from his wife. He comes from his mother. You I think what I'm saying? I think you're exactly right, and that's the same way I would interpret that passage. Uh, I, I think it does. I think it leads to the same conclusion as First Timothy chapter two, and I, I would have to agree with you, Pat. If that's the way I see it. Anyway, I just thought I'd add in First Corinthians eleven verse three, and I'll let y'all go because I know I already talked too long. Thanks, Pat. Appreciate you listening tonight. See you later. Thank you, Pat. Bye. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven is the number to call. The line is open. We're looking forward to your participation on this important subject. What about women? And we've taken it a little bit farther than women preachers now, Dad, but we're going in a good direction. What about women in general? What's their relationship to men in general? 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Join in on the discussion tonight. Let's, let's throw out that as a question. Could you vote for, let's just be, let's go ahead and name names. Could you vote for Hillary Clinton, assuming that she becomes the Democratic nominee for, for the presidency? Could you vote for her? Could you support her? And I'm not talking about her politics. You know, I mean, there might be some people say I wouldn't vote for her because I don't I don't like her politics. She'll no. raise my taxes. Yeah, she's going to raise taxes. But what what I'm talking about is, could you vote for her? Could you support her as a woman in that position? That's and I, as I say, there's very high likelihood that that's probably going to be a decision that people are going to have to make come the next election. So let's talk about that too, Jacob. Uh, uh, before we get to our next break, got just a minute. I, I want to introduce the fact that we were talking about women and that women could engage in all sorts of good works in the church. Women even were involved in teaching in the early church, uh, and, we, and we know that. So Titus chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, aged women likewise should be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. Notice, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. So they were the older women would teach the younger women. Acts 18 is a great example. Aquila and Priscilla, uh, a man named Apollos, came to Ephesus where they were. He was not teaching the accurate truth of God's word. And it says, uh, as he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, Aquila and Priscilla, when they'd heard him, took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. They, both Aquila and Priscilla, Priscilla working in union with her husband, Aquila, and they were teaching here uh, this man, Apollos. So we have another example there of women teaching. So we're not even saying that women can't teach. We, we actually believe that women can and should teach, but there are limitations and there are restrictions. The main thing we want to stress here is that there's no difference in God's estimation concerning the worth of a man and woman. I hope no one will misunderstand us on that. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 says, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as you have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. Galatians three twenty-six through 28. So please hope everyone will understand that we are not saying that there's less eternal worth in a woman than there is in a man. We simply don't believe that. The Bible doesn't teach that. Uh, just summarizing some of the things we've covered, Jacob, uh, there were a lot of Christians in the early church. Many are held up as worthy examples. They did lots of good work. They were even involved in teaching. We're going to talk about some of the limitations on them in teaching here in a minute. But there was simply no difference in worth or value concerning the soul of a woman or soul of a man. And uh, everyone needs to understand that's what we're stressing. So what you're saying is that just because there's a different role doesn't mean there's different value in God's eyes. That's what I think that's exactly right. I mean, it, it, we, there's all kinds of roles that we may play in this life. Does that mean that uh, our boss at work is of more value to God than we are? No. It just means we have a different role. We have different obligations. 
And so we shouldn't feel like uh, it's somehow chauvinistic to say that a woman would have a different role in the church. We'll look at some of these arguments uh, as we go into detail later on in the program. Time for another break. We hope you'll stay tuned, and we hope that you'll participate in the program. Again, 877-381-4567. Call during the break. Get ready to come on on the other side. Or send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Stay tuned. The Virtual Bible Study will continue right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Hello, everyone. I'm Britt Haynes. I'm a member of the College View Church of Christ. A lot of people in the religious world today tell us that as long as our heart is right and we truly love God, we can do whatever we want in our service to Him. They say that what we do doesn't matter because God is only interested in our heart. I believe they have it all wrong. True, God is interested in our hearts, but He's also interested in our actions. One reason why is because our actions describe the true condition of our heart. This is what Jesus taught in Matthew 12, verse 34, when he said, For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. So I believe that if we are doing whatever we want to in our service and are not serving God exactly like he has asked, then our heart is not right before God. The members of the College View Church of Christ are committed to making sure that both our hearts and our actions are pleasing to God. If you're interested in doing the same, we encourage you to join us for worship this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. I'm Troy Smith, and now I'm 13 years old. I'm Mike Smith. I'm Troy's dad, and we love to listen to the Virtual Bible Study every Thursday night. Use your Internet connection for something good. Listen to the Virtual Bible Study every week. Now, back to the program. And welcome back. Thank you again for joining us, and we are looking forward to your participation in the program as we study women preachers on the Virtual Bible Study tonight, and we are asking the question, what does the Bible say about women preachers? And we've made it a little bit more broad on the program tonight, what about women in positions of authority over men in general? Specifically, what about a woman president? Could you vote for a woman president? 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. I got a question from uh, Jared in Cookville, Tennessee. Because we get the impression from Acts 16:13 that the congregation in Philippi might have been comprised only of women. In a situation like this, would it be wrong for a woman to preach? Um, in Acts 16:13, that's where Paul went. I mean, he was in the city of Philippi. He went out uh, by the riverside where prayer was wont to be made, and we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. And then it goes on to describe the conversion of Lydia. But remember that it wasn't any time at all until Paul was thrown in prison, and in prison he converted the Philippian jailer in his household. And so uh, I would probably agree that the first converts in Philippi were women, but it wasn't long till there were men converted there uh, who were converts there as well. The uh, the question now this is this is another this is another sticky question. What if you had a congregation? What if you had a group meeting and it was only comprised of women? Well, the passage in First Timothy two would not be violated, where it says you know the women not to teach over the men. But there might be a problem, and I'd begin, I'd be interested in some feedback on this one. There might be a problem from 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 34. Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it's not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. But even there, it implies that men are present, because the next verse says, if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. Um, you know, that... That situation, although I think it obviously that's feasibly possible, I've never personally known of such a case. Uh, the, the prohibition about teaching over men certainly wouldn't become a problem, but about women uh, speaking in an assembly or having a, a leading role in an assembly, that, that poses another problem. But even in that prohibition of 1 Corinthians 14, the implication is that there were men present. So... Uh, maybe not. I, I'll, I'll throw that out there see what somebody else thinks. That's a what-if question for sure. All right, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. We're still waiting to hear from you. We hope you'll join in on the discussion tonight. Jacob, and the, uh, let me get to some of these uh, feedbacks we got on um, what's the strongest argument for and against women preachers. And let's do the second one first. What's the strongest argument against women preachers? Um Vicki in Knoxville, Tennessee, has said she thinks the strongest argument uh, is from 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 
she said verse 28, but I think that she meant verse 34, let your women keep silence in the church that we just referenced. Uh, so she says, First Corinthians 14, uh, Randy up in Jackson, Missouri says First Timothy 2.12, which we've already referenced tonight. Um, Stan in Montgomery, Alabama says First Timothy 2. Uh, is the strongest against women preachers. Uh, Don in Antioch, uh, Tennessee, says 1 Timothy 2, verse 12, is the strongest argument. And uh, and then uh, Pat, Pat called in already tonight, but Pat also sent us an email. Pat from Harvest, Alabama, says that uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 34 through 35. So of all of the feedbacks we got right there, all of them referenced either 1 Timothy chapter 2, uh, where we already read First Timothy chapter two verse eleven. Let's read that again, Jacob. First Timothy two, uh, starting verse eleven. First Timothy two verse eleven, beginning says, "Let the women learn in subjection, in silence, with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over a man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing, if they continue in faith and charity and with and holiness with sobriety." All right, so that that was a positive or strong argument in in the case of most people who responded, and the other the, there was one, either everybody responded with either that passage or First Corinthians chapter fourteen verses thirty four and thirty five. Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it's not permitted to them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it's a shame for women to speak in the church. Now. What's been said then by all these respondents is that those are the strongest arguments to be made against women preachers. I think they're powerfully strong. It's a wonder to me that people can read those verses and say, oh, it's okay for a woman preacher. It's okay to have a woman preacher. There's nothing wrong with women having leadership roles in the church. And I've never been able to understand how that's harmonized. I I think the attempt is typically made, as we mentioned earlier, for people to say those are antiquated cultural indicators. That's the way it was back then. And Paul was just dealing with the way that it was back then. Uh, It's not that way anymore. Therefore, we don't have to live by that rule anymore. Well, if we're going to do that with these instructions about women preachers and teachers, what couldn't we do that with? In other words, what what commands of Scripture, you know, could could someone say, well, baptism, that was just a cultural thing back then. We don't have to be baptized today. And, uh, um, you know, for, uh, adultery, you know, they had they had some they had certain cultural uh, understandings about what constituted adultery. But we don't have that anymore, so we don't have to. We don't have to worry about that anymore. I mean, where would be the end of that line of reasoning if we can throw out the, the teaching uh, concerning women preachers by saying that that Paul just uh, was was talking about the way things were in general in the world in those days, and it's not that way anymore? Then uh, you know, I, I just wonder what we could not have to do. Well, once we open that door, we would never get it shut. 877-381-4567-questions at collegeview.com. You know, there's an interesting passage in First Timothy chapter 2, Dad. might be interesting to hear our listeners' take on this. On this First Timothy chapter 2, after the passages we read where we see that a woman is to be in subjection, learn in silence, uh, we see in verse 15, Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. Interesting or Sarah, be interested to hear our listeners uh, uh, take on what that verse really means. Yeah, I've got a thought on that, but we'll wait and see if somebody else wants to respond. What do you think it means when it says that she shall be saved in childbearing? I think it's a direct uh, argument against some of the feminist arguments that we hear today that the women should be allowed to teach, and if they're not allowed to teach, uh, then they're somehow inferior to man- men. So let us know your thoughts. What do you think it means First Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Um, Jay, we might go to the other part of our survey questions that we ask, and that is what uh, what is considered to be the strongest argument that you've heard in favor of women preachers. Uh, Randy in Jackson, Missouri says, things I've heard. And then, and then he gives a list of several things that, that he's heard in, in defense of women preachers. 
first one, he says, she's not preaching, she's prophesying, which is allowed of women in the New Testament. What about that? I mean, I've, I've heard that, too, you know, that that it talks about women who were prophets and prophetesses. Uh, for instance, let me see if I can find this real quick in the book of Acts in chapter. Uh, let's see, what is that? Uh, I think it's in chapter 20 or 21. It's, it mentions the evangelist Philip uh, who had, yeah. Uh, Acts 21, verse 8, the next day that we that were of Paul's company departed and came to Caesarea, and we entered into the house of Philip the Evangelist, which was one of the seven, and abode with him. The same man had four daughters, virgins, which did prophesy. And the argument is made, if they could prophesy, then isn't that teaching, and therefore that justifies women preachers? Well, no, we've already pointed out that women can teach, and really prophesying is is simply to speak forth the word of God. But that does not imply that they were teaching in a public assembly, and it does not say that they were teaching over men. They were prophesying. That's all it says. It says, and, and to prophesy certainly is to teach, and we have not denied the right of women to teach. But you, there, there's a leap there to argue that since they were prophesying, they were preaching in an assembly and over men. That's not stated, that, and it's not provable. We acknowledge they were prophesying, and prophecy was a, was a form of teaching. But beyond that, you couldn't prove that it was over men or in an assembly. You see what I'm saying, Jacob? I see what you're saying. Yeah, they have to. We have to balance those uh, passages with one another to make sure that there's not a contradiction. Jim in Masseyville, Ohio, has called back. Jim, welcome back to the Virtual Bible Study. Uh, yeah, I'm having audio trouble, so I'm not hearing exactly what all is being said or anything. But uh, in the Book of Judges in the Old Testament, there's uh, Deborah. She was a prophetess and a, and a judge over Israel, so she was definitely a ruler over Israel, you know. I would agree with that. She was. She was. That's right. And she's she's uh, named among the judges. Uh, I think it's one one a couple things there that I've thought about in regards to Deborah, and I and I think that is a, a point that's frequently made. Uh, one is that. Even while she was judged, there was a man who was the leader of the military. She had a, there was a man who who led the the troops into battle. She didn't do that. Uh, right, yeah. uh, the 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 idea of her uh, being a judge, though, is certainly true. And I would I would one thing I would say about that that's that's an Old Testament reference, which would sure. not prove. What should be our current practice in the New Testament church? But I, I, I well, acknowledge the that. The Bible says God changes not, you know. Well, that's right. The very characteristics of God have not changed, but his law for us has certainly changed. And, no, uh, no we, gotta, we still have to keep God's law. But I mean, the, the details of his laws for us today are different. Christ, you would agree with Christ that. Christ kept the law for us, but we're, we're, uh, we're justified in Christ by him keeping the law. Well, that's right, but I mean, there's things we do different. I mean, there are there are instructions for our service and worship to God today that are not the same as those that existed in the Old Testament times when Deborah was living. Uh, Deborah, for instance, would have been expected to offer animal sacrifices, but we're not. Right, right. So, they I mean, point, they all point to Christ, right? Yeah, uh, but I, I I acknowledge your 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 argument there, and I I, I have well, heard uh, it before, but I I don't think that it would necessarily prove what a woman could do in the church today okay well i, I disagree but so, so you think then that it would be wrong for a woman to work in a in a, in a man's workplace and and everything i mean no I don't, I don't think it's wrong for a woman to work uh she's taking a job jobs away from men i mean well that's not necessarily so that's not necessarily so but that, i, I the, what we're talking about here is though about her having uh uh, authority over men that's the question is uh, right. and and that that would be my personal uh, understanding that god doesn't just doesn't desire that arrangement to exist it's a common thing i think one of the things we're dealing with is that it's become very common in our culture for for that to occur uh, i don't want to put you on the spot jim but let me ask you and i'm not asking about your politics here but what if a woman ran for president what if, uh, and not necessarily hillary clinton you may not agree with her politics but let's say some other woman uh ran whose politics you did agree with would you would you feel comfortable have, uh, voting for and supporting a woman in the highest political office in the land 
If we had a if we had a woman running for president like the Iron Lady Margaret Thatcher, indeed I would vote for her. Okay, well at least you're consistent about that. Yeah. Uh, I, I, now I understand. I agree. I agree that if 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 a woman became president, we would be obligated to be uh, uh, submissive to our leaders in government. I think First Corinthians, I mean uh, Romans 13, rather Romans 13 teaches us to submit to governmental authority, uh, and certainly we, we would be expected to do so. But I, I got to tell you, I could I couldn't vote for a woman to hold that office. I don't think that's in God's design for us. Yeah, right. And once again, back to woman preacher. I wouldn't step foot in the church that had a woman preacher. I mean, that's how strongly I feel about that. But I think I think outside of the church, I think, I still think the context is these things were written that you know how to behave yourself in the church of the living God. Like I say, I'm not hearing what's all been said because my audio is not real good for some reason or another. Well, we apologize I, for that. But I don't know if that's on your end or ours. Maybe I, I, may. don't, know. I don't know whether anybody else having that problem or not. We might get some feedback. If we hey, got Jim, audio Jim, problems, I, somebody tell us so. Jim, I don't want to put you on the spot either, but uh, what, what's your religious uh, association up there in Masseyville? My religious association? Yeah, what, uh, what uh, was your religious uh, persuasion up there? I go to a Reformed Baptist Church. Okay, all right. How'd you find out about us tonight? Oh, I just you know go through the website looking for uh, uh, Christian programming or whatever religious programming. Great, we're really glad you found us. We hope you'll keep tuning in. Sure, enjoy it. Thanks, Jim. Thank you. Jim. Thank you. All right, eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeview.com. Glad that Jim has joined us on the program tonight, Dad. And we disagree, but we can uh, study the Bible and hopefully. Uh, by studying, considering, and uh, uh, examining what God has said, we can come to a common agreement. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Stay tuned. We'll take it to the top of the hour right after this. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Hello, everyone. I'm Monty, a member of the College View Church of Christ. So if you've been hearing all about the College View Church of Christ on the virtual Bible study and are interested in finding out more about the church, but you live hundreds of miles away from Columbia, Tennessee, and can't come and visit with the congregation to find out more, there's no reason to fear. After all, we live in the 21st century. Here's what you can do to find out more about the College View Church of Christ. First, why don't you check out our website while you're listening to the virtual Bible study? You'll find important information about the church there, including bulletin articles there on various subjects and can even listen to sermons that have been presented at the College View Church in the past. Secondly, if you have questions about the church or about any Bible teaching, why don't you send an email to us and let us know how we can help. Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. That address, once again, is questions at collegeview.com. We can even have a personal Bible study with you over email if you desire. And finally, if you would rather talk with someone in person, give us a call at 931-381-4567. That's 931-381-4567. You can call this number anytime. If you don't get an answer, leave a message and we'll call you back as soon as we can. We're glad you're listening to the virtual Bible study and hope to hear from you soon. My name is Roger Toomes and me and my wife love to listen to the virtual Bible study on Thursday nights. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Colossians 3:17. Now, back to the program. And welcome back to the virtual Bible study tonight. I want to remind you this program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. If you're in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we'd like for you to come and worship with us at your earliest convenience. Find out our meeting times and directions to our location. Uh, visit our website, collegeview.com. If you are not in the Columbia, Tennessee area, you can still find out more about us by visiting collegeview.com, and we look forward to hearing from you if you have any questions or comments about what it is we're all about. We're talking about women preachers on the program tonight, and we want to know what the Bible says about this important subject. Again, it is a uh, subject that the religious world is divided on, and we need to know what the Bible says so that we can come to a common understanding and agreement. Jacob, we've got an email that's just come in from Keith in Lynchburg, Tennessee. Keith, we're glad you're listening to the virtual Bible study tonight. He said, I, w- I just wondered about the women that the Ethiopian eunuch reported to. Uh, Candace or Candace is named as the queen. Was she not in a position of authority, though not in the church? I do agree that a woman should not have a role as a preacher or elder or deacon, he says. Um Certainly, there was there was this woman, Candace or Candace, however you're you're uh, pronouncing that, and she was the queen of Ethiopia, and he was he was uh, in charge of the of her treasury. 
I think that if we had a woman who was the head of our government, we'd be in submit. We'd be we'd be obligated to submit to such a person, based upon First Corinthians. Uh, I keep saying that. I mean Romans chapter thirteen. Romans chapter thirteen also, First uh, Peter chapter two verses thirteen and fourteen would teach us to submit to governmental authorities. Uh, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't argue that that would be the right thing to do. Now. Whether or not it's right for a woman to have that position is is another question, and and I'm of the persuasion based upon what we're reading in the New Testament, especially about what we're reading here in the New Testament, is that God does not desire for women to be in positions of authority over men, and so, uh, you know, uh, I, I would think that a Christian woman would have to take that into consideration. And I don't believe it's according to God's plan. Well, you know, we look at uh, this queen of Ethiopia, and we could look at queens throughout uh, time just because there is a queen, and uh, that doesn't justify everything that she does. I'm sure Candace did many things that were contrary to the will of God. Yeah. And uh, that wouldn't, so we couldn't justify that a woman could, uh, who knows what Candace did. We couldn't say that a woman could be justified doing that because Candace of Ethiopia did it. Got an email here that says our audio seems to be going out good, so hopefully Jim will get his audio straightened out up there in Ohio. Um, you know, um, Jim mentioned that he appreciated Margaret Thatcher, uh, who was prime minister of, of Great Britain for uh, a number of years. I appreciated her politics. I liked her politics, but that didn't mean that I would necess- that that didn't mean that I could justify voting for a woman, even if she had the same politics as Margaret Thatcher. Uh, so that's. Uh, a lot of things to take, take into consideration. I want to go back real quick to uh, Randy's email. He was he was listing things that he had heard as justification for women preachers. Notice these. Uh, when she preaches, she's doing so under the authority of her husband. She's not teaching or exercising authority if the elders give her permission. Um, it's it, you know I have heard that argument. Well, if the if the elders say that the woman could be preaching in the assembly, then she's not usurping authority because they gave her authority. Well, they can't do that. You, they don't have authority to give her that authority. No, it, could the elders tell you it's okay for you to go out and commit adultery? I mean, and therefore it'd be all right because they told you that you could? No, you can't do what the Bible says don't do, and the elders don't have the authority to tell you that you can do what the Bible says you can't do. Right. Yeah. So so I think those those arguments would fail. He goes on, why would God give her the gift of preaching if he didn't want her to use it? Well, uh, the gift of preaching. Uh, I don't know. What is the gift of preaching? Uh, now, he wants her to teach. God wants women to teach. He, and he's given them a capacity for doing so, and he wants them to use it. But he has stated limitations. First Timothy 2, 1 Corinthians 14, he's, he's put restrictions on her where she can use those abilities. But he wants her to use her abilities to teach, just not in the assembly, not over men. Well, we all have abilities that God has given us, and just because we have the ability doesn't mean we can use it any way we please. You know, you might be a fast runner. That doesn't mean that you can become a thief and run from the law. You know, you have to use your abilities as God has given you uh, instruction in that matter. Exactly right. He goes on. Another argument he's heard. Women in the first century would be socially out of line if they preached. That's not the case today. In other words, times have changed. Therefore, we have we can we can disregard instructions. Well, not necessarily. Women probably would have been out of place to have been homosexual in the first century more the, more so than today in certain areas. Yeah, doesn't mean that it's okay for her to be a homosexual any more than it means it's okay for her to be a woman preacher. Uh, another argument he's heard: a woman can teach as long as she doesn't teach doctrine. I've never heard that distinction. Uh, I don't think that I, I can't understand where that distinction would matter. And then. Uh, the last one, he said, I've heard people say Paul was not issuing a command in First Timothy 2, verse 12. He was just stating a preference. Uh, look at the ver- way the word is, verse is stated. He's just saying what his normal practice was, not a command for everyone. Yeah, in verse 12, he said, I suffer not uh, a woman to teach. So basically, well, Paul would say, well, you you know, there are women preachers, but whenever she comes around me, I don't let her talk. I can't stand it. Yeah. No, I don't think that. Remember, Paul was speaking there. Now, if if one of us would say it that way, it might mean that we're just stating our preference. But remember, Paul was an inspired apostle. And when he spoke, he was speaking the commands of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I think we have to uh, understand it in that light. It doesn't change what he said in First Corinthians chapter 14 either. That's right. 
All right, we have time to take your comments, 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com, but you do need to hurry, so get in line now. Uh, Keith uh, Lynchburg sends a follow-up. Would would the uh, eunuch have to resign his position now that he's a Christian uh, because his boss was a woman? Not not necessarily. I mean, that's not an issue for him. I think it would be an issue for the woman, but not necessarily an issue for the man. I mean, I know men who are Christians who have women who are their supervisors, it's not their issue. It's the issue of the woman who takes on such a role and those who would appoint her to such a role, but it's not necessarily the burden of the person who is employed under such an arrangement. I wouldn't see it that way. Thank you for your comments, Keith, on the program tonight. Um, we got other feedback. Stan in Montgomery, Alabama, says uh, an argument he has heard in favor of women Preaching is that some women have better understanding than some men do of the Bible and probably would be more effective in reaching some people. What about that? She knows the Bible better than men. Well, I don't doubt that there are women who know the Bible better than some men, uh, but that doesn't change uh, the instruction. That's an indictment on the men. They need to be better Bible students. But I've I've personally known women who know the Bible very well. Good for them. And let them use that Bible knowledge and teach others. Under the restrictions that we've stated in the, from the scriptures tonight. All right. Um, I think we're getting a phone call. Maybe we got time for one more here. Um, okay. Uh, we got uh, another uh, statement. Oh, wait a minute. Let's go ahead and take uh, Jim's call. Jim's calling back from Ohio. Jim, welcome back. Uh, just one more quick comment. Yes. And, uh, Romans thirteen. It says. Uh, let every soul be in subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. And that's really all I have. Thank you. All right, Jim. Appreciate that. Uh, I think Jim is maybe saying, the, alluding to the fact that uh, if a woman is in a position of power, that God wanted her to be in that position. I, don't, I, I think that Romans 13 is saying that God has ordained the concept of civil government for the purpose of punishing evildoers and, and rewarding those who do well, that doesn't mean that every civil government that is in place is in place as God wants them to be. For instance, the Nazi Germany, uh, you know, God ordained civil government, but he didn't, he didn't ordain for people to do the evil that the Nazi government did in Germany. So not every application of the the concept of civil government is in harmony with God's will. That'd be the same thing as marriage. God instituted the marriage relationship. That's his plan. He ordained it. But not every marriage is in harmony with God's will. So, in other words, just as every marriage is not in harmony with God's will, there are good marriages and bad, so it is with civil governments. They are good and bad, and, and therefore the argument that if we've got, let's say we had Margaret Thatcher as prime minister of Great Britain, Therefore, that proves that it's, it's okay in God's plan for women to be in positions of authority. That doesn't follow. God ordained civil government. He ordained the concept of civil government and its purposes. But that doesn't mean that every single instance of a civil government is in harmony with God's will. If you're going to take that position, you have to argue that in, in, in the case of Nazi Germany and everybody else. All right. I think we're about out of time, Dad. But let's remind our listeners what our position is here. We do not believe that women are allowed by God, to be preachers or to usurp authority over men. But we in no way believe that women are inferior to men. Let's make sure that that is clear. We are not male chauvinist. We believe that women are of equal value to the Lord, but we believe we just have different roles. We don't have to have the same roles to be of equal value, Dad, and that's uh, that's our position on, on the matter. That's right. I, th- I really want to stress we're not demeaning women or believing that they are inferior or less important to God in any way. They just have a different job to do. And I think that job is the one that's mentioned there in First uh, Timothy chapter 2. Verse 15. Uh, verse 15, where it says she shall, be child, shall, she shall be saved in childbearing. That is, she can be saved just like the man if she does well in the realm of things that God wants her to be involved in. Her role is important. She needs to assume that role. And by assuming the role and position that God has given the woman, she can be saved. And by assuming the role and position that God has given the men, the men can be saved. 
we have to submit our will to the fathers and assume the roles that he has given us. I think that's it. I think that's it in a nutshell. It was a good study. I think a very worthy study, a subject that we need to be talking about. All right. We appreciate you for being a part of the study tonight. If you have any questions or comments about the things that we said, call us anytime at 877-381-4567 or send an email to questions at collegeview.com and let us know your thoughts. Thanks again for joining us on the Virtual Bible Study tonight. We hope you'll make plans to be back here next Thursday night for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.